Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. Today we are continuing our look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Today We're beginning chapter 7 today. Um, this is one of those passages that, that we need to be very, very clear about. And the reason is because it's typically used as what they think is a stopper from people who are outside the faith, um, and even some who are inside the faith, um, who don't want to hear certain things that you might have to say, especially if it comports with the Word of God, but it goes against their lives. And it's this, judge not that ye be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, what does that not mean? (laughs) Does it mean that Christians are not intended to judge? No, we are. We we are to have good judgment, in fact. But, But what I can't do is this, and, and this is something I've actually seen done on two different occasions. The, um, the, the man who, the, the, the rich young ruler, who comes to Jesus and asks the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer to him is, sell everything you own and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Right? So that guy's decision is, no, he walks away sad because he had much possessions. Well, twice... I've heard people preach thus. That guy's in hell today. Is he? You have no earthly idea. (laughs) That's the answer to that. You have no earthly idea. You can't possibly say that. Um, We have no earthly idea where he is. If you had judged Paul on the road to Damascus before he has the conversion experience, you would have said Paul's going to hell. You'd been wrong. There, there's all kinds of things like that where you can say that's the issue is is the judgment it is an eternal judgment. I have no power over that. I have no earthly idea. I, I don't have a clue. I can't judge anyone and say that guy's going to hell. I can't do it. I can't possibly know such a thing. It doesn't, however, mean that I'm not supposed to judge somebody's actions. Paul will again and again say, if, if your brother goes astray, James says it too, then correct that person. If you see your brother going into sin, then you're to correct that person. Well, I can't do that unless I judge him, right? I have to make a judgment, but I don't make final judgment on anything. That's not my job, <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm absolutely happy that it's not my job. There, there are so many people that, that would like to make such judgments. But, but that's not a typical problem that we have. Jesus is telling us, tend to your own knitting. Don't, you know, that, that's not your job. That's God's job, ultimately, is to judge. Um, Jesus uses a word here. Um, he uses the word again and again and again. And so does John. Hypocrite. Well, that's a judgment. Hypocrite is a judgment. And when Jesus says, go and sin no more, that something worse may not happen to you, that's a judgment. 
He's, he's saying you're in sin. And so there's a correction there. And, and, and correction and judgment are two different things. Now, the reality is I, I do need to be most ruthless about judging sin in my life. That's the most important thing that I have to do. Nobody gave me the job of judging other people. I do have to make judgment concerning conduct. If I have a brother or a sister who I know is in sin as defined by the Word of God, then it's my responsibility out of love to point that out. We just had lunch on uh, last week with a good friend of ours, and her sister uh, is in Nashville. And she is um, she's a vocalist, and she was in a small group maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe a little longer now. It's been quite a while with somebody who's a well-known singer, well-known in the Christian world as a singer, well-known in other circles as well. Well, after the meeting, after their, their small group, she went to the woman and said, I need to talk to you about something. She said, what's that? I said, it's my understanding. And there are rumors everywhere that you're having an affair with another well-known singer. And she told her it wasn't any of her business. She said, it is. You're my sister in Christ. And you're a married woman. He's a married man. It is actually my business as a sister in Christ to call you to account for the sin of having an affair. Well, whatever. So now the woman got married to the guy. She left her husband. He left his wife. They got married now she's hosting a um, a wedding for a lesbian family member. And I asked my friend, I said, is your sister still in the small group? She said, my sister is. <laughs> the woman left after that. She wouldn't take the correction because she wanted to do what she wanted to do. Now, it's not our job to be the Holy Spirit, but, but for one another, we're intended to, to call one another back. When we see one another falling into sin, it's, it's our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ in love to redirect that. I mean, I've had to do it uh, in churches, actually. I've had to use church discipline, um, and the discipline that I used was, I'm not going to allow you to take communion because you're in sinful relationship with somebody who is not your wife. And in both cases, they had wives. They were separated in one case. In the other case, the wife was uh, in, in bad Alzheimer's. And so my, my responsibility to him was to say, I, I can't just let that go. You're perfectly welcome to come to church, but I can't let you come to communion. Unless when you come to communion, you come to me and tell me that you have left this other woman. We're intended to do that. It's, it's all through Scripture that we're intended to do that. You know, Paul tells the people in, in Corinth that they're not being judgmental enough. They're allowing something that even the pagans wouldn't allow, and they need to put them out. James says that you cover a multitude of sins if you turn somebody from sin. So it, that's, that can't possibly be what it means. Can't possibly be what it means. So it, it has to do with passing ultimate judgment on someone. And, and so it's, it's not just judging somebody's conduct. I'm required to do that. I, I, I don't care what the world does. I've said this a million times to people, and that is, is that I don't actually have to care what the world does. If you, if you don't claim the name of Christ, then I'm really and truly I'm not going to judge you. If you ask me what the Bible says, I'll tell you. If, it's, if what you're doing is sinful. We had to have this conversation. I had to have this conversation with somebody 
I don't know, maybe a dozen years ago, somebody who, who didn't claim to be a Christian but was li- but had been, uh, had grown up in the church, they wanted to ask me about something about their own life, and did I believe that it was inherently sinful, and my response was, I don't have any choice. That the, the word's clear on that, um, even though there are people who say that it's not, it is. And he said, I know that. I've always known it. It, it, I did, it, but he knew I said it in love. And I told him, you know, I love you, and I wish you had never asked me this question. I wish I didn't have to give you this answer. I would never have told you this had you not come to me and asked me this. But you asked me, and I'm obliged to tell you the truth. So it, that's the way, in my mind, to handle this. I do. I wish that he had never asked me because it was so uncomfortable, and I was really concerned that it was going to just really mess up our relationship. It did not, by the way. But, but it was still really uncomfortable for me because I, I just, it's not something I wanted to say. I, I take no delight in telling people that you're living in sin. You know, I, it just doesn't please me. I, I, don't, I don't care except for when you're in the church. You know, I, I can feel sorry for you when you're not in the church and I can pray for you. But I have no obligation to come and tell you that. You know, it's the, the if you want to know what this judge not that that you be not judged. If you want to know kind of what that applies to, I don't know if you you remember this. Is that fortunately it's been a while since I've heard of them. It's that group from Kansas. I want to say they were West Side or West Shore or something like that, um, and they would protest at all kinds of different things, and it was just vile, absolutely vile, the epithets they would hurl at people. Um, and and I it's it just there's no excuse for that. My job is not to, to go into the world. It's to go into the world and proclaim the gospel. It's to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. But that only applies to those who respond to the message. I have to be clear. If you come to me and you ask me a question, or if you come to the church and want to know what the church believes, then I have to be clear about those things. But I have no obligation to come to you and confront you and, and say that to you. I don't see any place, in fact, anywhere in the scriptures where that happened. I don't see Paul confronting pagans. I don't see Jesus confronting pagans. I don't see any of that happening. The people the prophets spoke to and that other people spoke to are people inside the community. It's not my job to judge the world. It's my job to judge myself first and be ruthless about that judgment. And then if... I see a brother or sister committing sin that needs to be dealt with, then then I do have an obligation as a brother or sister in Christ, not as a pastor. As a pastor, certainly I had an obligation to that, but but as a brother and sister in love, I'm supposed to turn people away from sin. I'm supposed to not let them go down that path of harm. So the the issue of judgment is, like I said, I'm not not my job to judge the world. That's God's job. It's not my job to pass ultimate judgment on anybody. That's God's job. Only he knows. Only he knows. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your struggle is. God does. And, and so I, all I can do is, is pray for you. But, but if, if I see, you know, sort of a, um, the word in the, in the old prayer book, the, the term was a notorious and evil liver, which is somebody whose who's sins or whose sinful life is well known in the community, then it had to be dealt with. That the um, the best way to do it is to be able to do it privately, and and we're constantly enjoined to do that privately. But but we have to be ready as well to then uh, accept 
that same correction when it comes our way. When somebody says, you know, I think your attitude here is is not good in, in a situation. You're, you know, the hatred you carry in your heart, the bitterness you have in your heart, whatever it is. I mean, I could see you doing, hey, I see that you're having an affair with somebody. It's easy to correct that because, I mean, nobody's going to argue with me, right? Um, but then I have to be able to hear you say, John, your attitude towards, you know, this person, that person, whatever, um, is not good. It's not right. You need to be reconciled with somebody, all those kinds of things. But, but here... I don't. I want mercy at the end of the day because I need mercy at the end of the day. So when it says the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. We tend to judge people in that way without mercy, and that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get at. The measure you use will be measured to you. So if you want to do that, and and certainly we do that with all kinds of different things about people, right? We give we we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt on things. We give ourselves a pass on things. We we don't judge our own motives because we believe we know our motives, but we'll judge other people according to what we impute their motive to be. And when we do that, then then we need to understand that that can come right back at us. And so this fits in with the the idea of that we that we're intended to love our enemies so that we'll be like our Father in heaven. And it also fits in with forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's giving one another grace, giving one another mercy. It doesn't mean that anything goes. That can't possibly mean that. Under any set of circumstances, it can't mean that. But it's not my job to judge you outside the church. It's honestly not. But if you want to come in the church, if anybody who's living in a, uh, a well-known um, sort of public kind of sin and who will not repent of that sin, then, then, then I consider it to be my job at the church to let them know that they— that I couldn't let them come to communion. And it's, you know, Paul says it's for your own good for multiple reasons, um, not the least of which is some of you have gotten sick and died, he said, from taking communion in outside a state of grace. And a state of grace means you have confessed your sins, you have agreed with God on those things. So that that's why it's important in one thing. And, and then another is so that the, the flock doesn't get led astray because what we tolerate then becomes what we accept, and then becomes what we celebrate. So it begins with tolerance, goes to acceptance, and then becomes um, celebration. That's the pattern. And and the we got to stop it at the level of tolerance. We have to be clear on the Word of God, what He says is good, what He says is not good, what He says is sin, what He says is not sin. We have to do that. And we are being hypocrites when we judge others and we're not judging ourselves by the same measure and standard. We give ourselves grace. Most of us do. Some people don't. I mean, some people never give themselves any grace at all. But, but it's our responsibility to judge other words, uh, others in the same way that we judge ourselves. And if we judge ourselves harshly all the time, then we need help. Because Jesus didn't die so that we might judge ourselves harshly all the time. It, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. And it's one of the most difficult things, I think, in the church for people to understand. This is that conviction is the awareness of sin that leads me to repentance. Condemnation is there's no hope for you. And, and we, we need, if you live under condemnation and you're in Christ, then honestly, you just need help. You need prayer. But people who condemn and live under that condemnation tend to then heap that on other people. 
and that's where we become hypocrites because there's things that we just don't even see about ourselves. And we're all guilty of hypocrisy. There's no question there are because there's sin in our lives that, that we're not dealing with, that we're not even aware is sin that other people are quite well aware of. And so what we need to do, as far as this whole issue of judgment is concerned, is, is that, that we should rather pray for people unless they're in the church and it needs to be confronted and dealt with. But, but otherwise, we shouldn't be judging people. We should be praying. You know, Lord, convict that person of sin as you convict me as well. But it's, it's not a stopper. We are not called to not judge. We are not called to say anything goes. No, we have the Word of God, and we know what's good and bad, right and wrong to do with so many things, and we need to stand firm in that. But, but that's not our main proclamation to the world. Our main proclamation is Jesus and forgiveness of sins. We need to lift high the cross so that the world can see the love of God in the face of Jesus on that cross in order that they can then understand that they're not under condemnation, they're under conviction, but there's something they can do and they can go to the cross with us. And together there we all are the same in his eyes. And then we are all restored, redeemed, and renewed in that place. That's our job. It's not our job to judge the world. It is, however, our job to to be clear what the Word of God says and the things that God has judged unacceptable, then we have to be clear about those things. So that's it. I don't have to judge you. I just have to make the Word of God clear to you. And that's really my job. But then the main job is to make that Word clear and then to make the path to the cross clear as well, to put no impediment between a sinner and the cross. And, And that's what we can do when we judge people much rather be praying for those people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.